Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you? How is your day, week, month, season going in the game and in life? I missed you all so much and this is season four of the pod. So really, how is your team doing and your super coach team? I can't believe we're already into the 2023 AFL season. The offseason was really long and very much necessary, if you heard the last time I was on, basically ranting. When I say so much has happened since, like everything everywhere, swept the Oscars, our queen Michelle Yeoh finally got her awards and accolades. We lost a bunch of luminaries, including an actual queen. The Mets, or excuse me, the Nets have somehow managed to trade almost every player I care about during this time. I mean, we still got Patty Mills, thankfully. Verlander is now a Met. The show must go on in sport. The baggage we have to go through today. Bags of all kinds, under the eyes, on the field, Just grab and go maybe a snack and get settled in because we have a lot to talk about and unpack in this particular Broadway show. And hi and welcome to anyone who's new here. I hope you'll stay a while. Okay, so rewind, guys. In a Lil Ozkick Sharon, truly, you all know where I left off the spontaneous combustion of my club, the end of season that somehow topped previous recent years of mediocrity and disappointment. So I guess the short answer to where the F have you been, I was just completely disassociating to get through the end of footy season and in the sense of coping mechanism, not removal of membership. I think that's when clubs actually need your support the most. It wasn't like a car accident where you can't look away. How do I describe? I couldn't look away for fear of what would happen. You know how if you're in an airplane and all of a sudden there's this really bad turbulence and you're just using all of your energy and concentration to just will that to stop? That's basically the scenario I was dealing with, except it was coming out of the hangar, hangar with an AR. So I voted in our AGM. There were a lot of stories and drama coming out of the club during that period, some that I don't care to mention. And now cut to Brad Scott, who is the way forward. (laughs) We don't need to revisit that runway of 2022. We've taken off. I think Bomber supporters, well, I am at least, are ready for a new era. So yes, I genuinely took the time to enjoy the footy offseason. I think the optimism is always there. There's always some new additions to the team. So I focused on the draft and put my energy in that. There's a great documentary called The Kids. Check it out. They talk about the Davy twins, Alwyn and Jaden Davy, and Will Ashcroft. Um, and there was an inclusion of the AFLW draft too, which I love. Um, Yasmin Dersma for Port Adelaide. And it kind of shows the Dersma fam. That was really exciting. But yes, this new year and season, new is usually not maybe this shiny and new. I don't know. Tell me if this has ever happened that you know of in any sport, though, guys. I would love to know. Essendon is starting the 2023 AFL season with a new coach, a new captain, a new president, a new CEO, all since last season. (laughs) 
So if you want to talk about rebuild in all caps, I mean, you guys know me with the details. Like, how high is this skyscraper we're erecting? So hopefully all of this newness also brings with it some shiny new trophies. Um, I know I'm getting ahead of everything, but now we're, I mean, fast forward even more. We're at 2-0, 2-0. I know I'm chanting, but just let me have this, okay, guys? <laughs> Thankfully, we've moved on, and hopefully everything that we've just kind of wrapped up is all ancient history. But yeah, let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts and <laughs> where we're at. Some really big Rewind personal moments in October and November last year, Andrew and I went to Australia. I know. No footy at that time. Like, what am I even doing there? But the borders have been closed for a while, and our last trip was end of February 2020. So I really needed my coffee and all the food in Melbourne to see family and some friends. Um, you know, I'll post on Insta and the pod Facebook. I went during the Melbourne Cup, so I got to learn all about that. And his family actually entered us in a sweep, which was really exciting. If you don't think I've always wanted to say I have a horse in this race. <laughs> and it was really funny because the name of the horse that I got just entirely by accident is the one that I would have chosen on my own if I were given a list, Gold Trip. And yes, you can imagine I won't forget the winner of the 2022 Melvin Cup ever because Gold Trip won. <laughs> and that is how I would describe the overall trip. Um, an amazing couple of weeks, far too short. We didn't get to go anywhere else. Typically, we try to get to another state or territory, but we did a great ocean road trip. That was incredible. And I got to see the 12 apostles for the first time. It was beautiful. I'll definitely share photos. But yeah, now I've been to a national park in Australia. So as an outdoor nature person, I'm very, very happy. Um, check more on socials. So let me know what you guys have been up to. I really want to hear your stories. I want to know your thoughts on everything, how you've been, what you're thinking about, what you're looking forward to this season, how your favorite players are doing, and what you think about your team so far. AFLFootyObsessed at Gmail and AFLObsessed on socials. Now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL headlines and highlights. So this year, there are some new rules. There's only three. One, no more Medisub. So there will be four interchange players and one sub who can be activated for any reason. So no more creative ways that players can get injured to just get some fresh legs on the field. Two, there's no 50-meter penalty if a player draws their opponent off the mark by faking a handball. As soon as they created the stand rule, you just knew there was going to be a workaround, or at least I did. So the way I've seen this particular rule adjudicated so far, I am i don't know. Tell me what you guys think. It's not the most consistent. I know putting it into practice and application is an entirely different thing. I'm holding my breath. <laughs> and the third rule is there's now four field umpires. But some additional headlines that I thought was exciting Round one and two had the highest attendance ever recorded. I think we're all happy that footy's back. I know that the game changed a bit during the pandemic, but it's really great to see the crowds back. I know some people still prefer to watch at home, um, but yeah, that was really exciting to see. And there was the second Indigenous captain pairing in a game in VFL and AFL history. 
um, between the North and Frio games. I think previously there was a captain between Wanganeen and Long, I think, in 98 and uh, 2000. So, yeah, that was really exciting to see. I hope there's more of that in future. And just like a U.S. Oz connection that I thought was really exciting was Caroline Kennedy. Uh, the daughter of President JFK was at the game this past round. Um, and the AFL taught me that the classic song Sweet Caroline was an ode to her. The more you know. I didn't know that. So yeah, in round one, all the new coaches got wins. Uh, the honeymoon period has commenced. So now, from what I've seen after two rounds, let's talk about the teams. Um, please at me with your hot takes. I want to know kind of what you all think. Uh, the goodies first. Why don't we just kind of run through them? Carlton has found a way to win close games, so I'm excited, um, and I'm staying tuned for that. St. Kilda appear to be organized. Uh, they've got Ross Lyon, and they have their two wins, too. They have their 150th coming up. And it's against us on the weekend. So someone's walking out with a loss. Um, I'll be awake <laughs> for that game, even though it's going to be really early over here. Sydney is looking great. They are flying under the radar, I think, because they're getting eclipsed by Collingwood chatter. Um, but they've played the teams that we have, too. So TBD in terms of what's going to happen. All right, moving along. Geelong, don't panic. There's a lot we still don't know. I know they got outworked in the first couple of rounds. They had some tough opponents, and, you know, it's an even longer season this year with the extra round. Brisbane, they've got the big, beefed-up new midfield. Uh, too many mids, maybe, which is a good problem to have. Um, they're a solid threat, I think, for the top four, if not the top two. They now have Dunkley, McKenna, Ashcroft. You know, this is the year. I think it's now or never. Melbourne. So Ghani got injured. Um, it's so lucky they scooped up Grundy. Uh, the foresight on that is just like, I mean, impossible. Uh, the power outage that happened in the round over the weekend, they were kind of down and afterwards they were able to come back and they managed to kind of save themselves in percentage. I think the question is really how they got themselves in that position in the first place. And now Collingwood, who are alarmingly freakish. I don't know any other way to put this. Their work rate, they are playing with this supreme confidence that honestly reminds me of another playing group at the turn of the century. They have so many weapons. They don't have to worry about just their forwards getting the job done, which is really exciting to watch if you're not playing them. The chemistry between their mids and their forwards and the trust it's the kind of playing group at the moment that dreams are made of, which is hard to say and even harder to take as a bomber. <laughs> and there is a marquee game coming up, which you know I love, Anzac Day, which I'm actually going to be at live in round six. I'm genuinely afraid is really all I have to say. That's going to be so fun um, if the port game was any indication last week. So you might find me just at the bar after quarter time. We'll see. But yeah, I really am excited to get back to a live game. Um, I will obviously be sharing quite a bit on socials at that time. So just check that out and stay tuned. But yeah, Nick Dacos is the real deal. More on him a little bit later. 
All right, now we got to get to the baddies. I'm sorry about like the hot takes. I guess they're kind of like the ones that burn. Uh, Western Bulldogs, they're getting beaten in the middle. Considering how much depth they have, I mean, they have lost Dunkley, they lost Lockie Hunter. So it's a different, um, two different clubs, I mean, but the whole tall forward setup just doesn't seem to be working for them. And Hawthorne. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this to my Hawthorne fans. They are dreadful. And by design, question marks. I mean, they're uncompetitive. They're openly tanking. I mean, I hope Harley Reid is worth it at the end of the season. They're just not at the level. They've been gutted. Basically, they don't have three of their top players anymore. Tom Mitchell, Jaeger O'Meara, and Jack Gunston all left. So, you know, they still have some leadership. Cicely, Bruce, um, you know, to me, I'm just not really sure what that says when you either get rid of or have players like that who want to leave. It just kind of sends a signal to the team that we're not in this year. You know, we're focused on the future, which to me kind of kills motivation. I mean, what are they playing for then if not for a flag now? You know, so maybe like a lack of leadership. I, I don't know. I'm, I always say I'm interested to see what's going to happen. But for this particular team, I don't know. All the best. Please don't judge me. <laughs> And yeah, Frio um, is moving the ball slowly. That Frio and North game was really interesting. It ended on a really controversial call that the ARC kind of had some drama about. And they gave, should they have given a free kick, basically? Should they have awarded a kick um, at the end? And after the replay and after kind of hearing what the coaches have said, I think they've come out and said that the telecast has a delay. So, you know, what we're seeing and maybe the coach kind of raising their arm and blowing the whistle is a little bit different. There was a delay in the telecast. I think when I heard what the coaches actually heard on the field, the game had ended by the time that could have been awarded. So I get it. Um, but if that was my team, Andrew has said that I would be scaling the walls incensed and just proclaiming the great injustice. So, you know, I feel for you guys. Um, and yeah, we'll just have to see if it affects, you know, their future rounds. And just a note that Adelaide and GWS played in that really, really hot 100 plus degrees Fahrenheit temps. Um you know, maybe don't read too much into their performance this week. I think they're coming off horrendous preparation. I think they're getting a lot of flack for it. Toby Green said it was the hottest game he'd ever played. And considering that all of the athletes are at their peak health physically um, over any other sporting code, I think I'm just imagining that people would be passing out um, on the field or in the court or whatever. You know, it's really hot in baseball, but they're not running the miles that footy players are. So, you know, I'm just giving them a pass. So yeah, tell me what you think about the good, the bad, the teams, the players. Um, and if you think that I'm on it with any of my takes or if I'm a little bit off. Um, and also who you're watching out for and who I need in my super coach team. Because uh, round one was a mess and Andrew is actually playing this year. Okay, it's intermission. So quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. Um, I don't have much to say except that March Madness is something that I really care about and I didn't get my bracket together in time, so that was devastating for me. Um, baseball season has started. The Mets 
have some pretty bad injuries. So I wonder how many games we're going to get to this year. And the Knicks are doing pretty well. So, you know, I'm basically all in on footy. That's where my focus is going to be at. But tell me what you're watching and what your distractions are. And now we're on to Act 2, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So, guys, I really have to talk about a huge pain point in the sport, um, just because it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I'm sure you've all been thinking about this, too. So, footy is a contact sport, not a collision sport. You're not supposed to be launching Cozzy Pickett style into other players during the game, Accidental injuries do happen. Granted, I understand that, um, including concussions, which are unavoidable. It's obviously something I wish wasn't a byproduct of the game or didn't happen, but it is a part of it. And, you know, some are avoidable. I just want to point out, like, through big bumps or sling tackles, you know, to stamp out that reckless negligent, careless, high contact is something that we've been saying as long as I've been watching. So beyond that, obviously, it's been a priority. Um, and it's still something that I think is so jarring. And I think about every time the season starts again. So we're kind of back in it where, you know, haven't we been trying to wipe this out? And then round one starts and bang, we've got a few big hits that we kind of have to look at and the tribunal reviews. So because there have been some recent class action lawsuits and settlements here in the U.S. for the NFL, like our football code here, and also the National Hockey League, the NHL, um, in 2016 and I think 2018, there were substantial settlements. Like the U.S. Supreme Court actually cleared the way for NFL's like estimated $1 billion settlement of concussion-related lawsuits to more than 4,500 former players. So it is a huge class action, grand scale type thing. Um, and because that has happened on this side, I've always felt that there would be a day of reckoning for the AFL too, because there's zero prote protection in the sport. Um, there's really nothing to kind of shield the players from these hits and these bumps uh, but now there's a landmark class action lawsuit um, that's just been released. So it's become more real, I guess. And great timing, I guess, announcing it at the same time as the footy season starts. So, you know, there could be a really large check that's handed over in future to former players. I think there's over 60 named right now alleging that the players have suffered permanent damage as a result of concussions and other head injuries that they sustained during their careers. So basically where we're at, um, at least from my point of view, again, this is just, you know, my perspective. It's really hard to measure the damage inflicted with each concussion, um, the high hits and bumps. So the tribunal is supposed to match a penalty with each incident. And the punishment always seems to me inadequate. Again, just my opinion, you know, I feel like we're at the point, especially after what I saw from round one and the punishments that were kind of handed down, that they've come up with this 
a pseudo-legal claptrap that's so high-minded, this weird authoritative language, excuse me, you know, is it reckless? Is it careless? Where they're trying to put actions into a box that you can't really measure. I don't know. It's come down to like arguing the meaning of the words. Instead of saying, you know, that's a serious crime, they should get a big penalty for that. So I feel like the focus has shifted rather on than focusing, um, you know, on the long-term damage that's done to the actual players. Um, and, you know, we haven't the slightest idea really how much damage the hits are actually doing, you know. So to me, I feel like give them a big punishment so they'll learn. I feel like as a result of all of this, you know, they're missing the point. <laughs> they're not disincentivizing the action, if that makes sense. From my perspective, I feel like in order to continue, instead of just window dressing or framing it in a way, we want to eliminate the behavior, right? So how do we do that? Like, what is the way forward? Um, I don't want the people that we're currently seeing that are playing now to be impaired in any way. You know, they're bringing us so much joy, I want them to be functioning. Oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional, but I want them to be functioning beyond. You know, I want them to have a quality of life after the game. Oh, sorry guys. Uh, it just really hurts me to think that, um, you know, even like my current captain, like Zaret, and all the concussions that he's had, like I just really want that element of the game to change. And, you know, the tribunal cases, I feel like, are getting more prominence with their penalties now because of the class action. But whatever the way forward is, whether it be like limitations on drills and training sessions, I just think the punishments need to be more severe. Um, what do you guys think, though? If you think I'm just a little OTT with my feelings, um, if you don't agree with me, I want to know like your perspective, too. But I really am curious as to what everyone else thinks, because I know this is something we've been thinking for a while, and it's something I think of every time I see a hard hit. And yeah, it's an exciting part of the game, the tackling part of it, but just there is a brutal side that I think we have to acknowledge and really think through, too. And now it's the after show, guys, where I just have a rising star corner I want to mention um, because I've really been just watching Nick Dacos like all of you and Will Ashcroft got the nod this round. And, you know, after the kids documentary I told you about, I've really been keeping an eye on him. They both incidentally happen to be in my super coach team. But that aside, I feel like Chris Judd to me is the benchmark for standout rookies. Um, I feel like he won a Brownlow in his third season, and that's pretty major, <laughs> at least to me. Let me know if anyone has done that too or if anybody has gotten there sooner. Um, but yeah, he got two Brownlows in his career. And frankly, I think if injuries didn't come for him, he would have gotten several more. Just my personal opinion. I know they're not the same athlete, um, Nick Dacos and Chris Judd, but I really want to know what you guys think because there is a possibility he could get the Brownlow in his second season. I know that is a huge hot take and huge words coming at you so early in the season, but I really am curious to hear what you guys think. I cannot wait to see Nick in action in the flesh live in a few rounds, but tell me what you think, if you agree, and also who you think is going to get the Brownlow this season. 
Yeah, I'm going to be doing some AMA, guys. Um, Ask me anything on socials and just kind of what picks you want to see. So please let me know your thoughts. Um, And in the meantime, before I'm back in a couple weeks, I'm just going to be looking at what everyone names their super coach team. That's actually one of my favorite pastimes. Don't judge. Uh, But honorable mention today to Herd Immunity, H-I-R-D. But yeah, see you guys in two weeks. Um, If you want to chat, you know where to find me. And if you know someone who you think might like this pod, I hope you'll share it with them. Um, Thanks for sharing a part of your day with me. It's really been great. Um, Thank you for caring what I have to say about footy and letting me sound off on some of my thoughts, Uh, but mostly for keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day. But that's it for me, guys. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing. Uh, Thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy and through footy. I'm virtually hugging all of you and we'll talk footy soon.